eventually they create the ultra special edition with uh, director's cut plus nudity plus an hour extra content. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 138 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, February 26, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where if you don't get the joke, you might be the joke. And from America's left coast, we're in an age of remote work. Everyone is phoning it in. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, of course, it's remote work. It's great. All of these things that were put into place for COVID, you know, temporary things, COVID are now being washed away. The Illinois tollway system, you know, the the road that actually takes tolls uh, that used to be there was the option to get one of those little boxes that it could read automatically. Or, you know, if you were a little more privacy conscious, although not like they weren't grabbing your license plates anyway, but you had the option of paying cash. No more, no more. And nobody wants to talk about the fact that there's a lot of people out of jobs who used to stand out there and collect those tolls. Uh, jobs and mobs. Right. I mean, Biden started it. Right. Jobs are unimportant. Minimum wage going to go up. Yeah. yeah. We'll just raise minimum wage and then you can all find jobs somewhere. Right. Uh, the next step, of course, is for people to realize that, no, they can't find jobs and, and then they create new government jobs. And then they cry for the minimum wage to be lowered. So companies once again have money to hire them. <laughs> no, no, it's the, no, they're, the goal is to put companies out of business because the government can easily afford any minimum wage, you know, $100,000 a year minimum wage. Um, it, it's all free money. We'll just print it. Well, that's and then, the goal. And then we'll the take it all back in taxes anyway. Well, that's the goal for the government, but the people that actually get hurt by this, you know, the same ones that were standing out there. Before COVID started out in the parking lot of the McDonald's or whatever it was in Chicago with $15 minimum wage, they'll be the ones right back out there with signs like we'll take anything. We just need jobs because, you know, money is important. Is it really? I mean, if we all just move to a a communist socialist utopia, then then we can all get into Gene Roddenberry's ideal world where we've progressed past the need for money, which has always been my question. I mean, one. Which is hilarious because the the one show where they tried to add an actual economy and people who weren't all just Federation mind washed slaves was DS9, where they had to add an economy back into the show. Right. Well, I don't get it. All these people that think this would work. There are countries that are doing this. I mean, and the weather is better. I mean, the United States, the weather in most places kind of sucks. You look at the polar vortex. Why don't they move to Venezuela? I mean, if you believe in socialism or communism why don't you move to venezuela why don't you move to china i don't understand why are you still here um because of google right well well google i mean you need google and uh if you can't google something you just can't live and google i mean there this is there's a lot of weird tech stuff going on in the news facebook and google seem to be at the center of a lot of it and well, they're they're bigger than most governments at this point. 
Right, which the question and then far becomes, more controversial. Right, and the question yeah. is, do Bi- they have more Biden power Biden has or gone less? out and started bombing the Middle East again, and somehow that's a less big story than the bullshit that Google and Facebook are pulling. Didn't we say, didn't we predict that was going to happen here? I mean, I think we even said Syria. <laughs> it's like, we're going to start yeah. bombing brown yes. people again. It's like, yeah, probably Syria. The minute he's in office, oh, what are we doing? We're bombing Syria now. Congratulations. Everybody what? that was, you know, Donald Trump's going to get us into World War Three. Biden's already got, gotten us into more. Yeah, got it. Got to clear out all those old bombs so that we can spend money ordering new bombs. We, well, I mean, you don't want those to get old. I mean, that's not just like your your uh, sea rations getting old and they get a little bit of a stale cracker. If those bombs don't explode, man, you got problems. So what do you got in your tech news slate? I'll let you start today because I've got a ton. Man, the one that I'm probably most intrigued with. I mean, and there's two stories that are pretty big. One is that Twitter is trying to monetized by charging people but the more trying to monetize the network yes trying to monetize the network the more interesting one to me was the nvidia deal where their new video card coming out is going to purposefully cripple the crypto mining performance so if you're using it as i am to mine ethereum in your overnights and spare time that's going to be cut artificially on these new cards by 50%, at least it sounds like, due to the fact that they're putting this into the firmware because they want gamers to get the cards. Now, I don't know if gamers never use these cards for anything else when they're not playing games. I mean, I know there's gamers that can go a long time, but you're not gaming 24 hours. And you know what can help you pay for a really expensive card would be to mine some crypto in your spare time. But now NVIDIA is like, well, because gamers are having a hard time getting the cards, we'll intentionally cripple them with software, which just seems like the dumbest idea in the world for every other reason besides we're trying to get these into the hands of gamers. I don't know. Well, I, I, first of all, you are you are severely underestimating the dedication level of some of the gaming streamers out there. Yeah. Who, who will literally continue to be playing the game and streaming while they're sleeping. <laughs> well, see, now, are they good while sleeping? Cause that's a pretty good gig then, I guess. I, some of them, you know, I admittedly, I, I never got into the fad of watching people game. You know, I've, I've been a, a video gamer for, since way back and I still, I still play probably more than I should. Uh, but, um, I, I've never seen the draw and I know. You know, even Sergene was mentioning, well, I finally understand why people like watching other people. You know what? I don't like what I, I, I like playing sports and I don't like watching sports either. So I, I guess watching people play video games is, is really just it's sports for people who are out of shape. And I don't understand that, but I, I it is big business. And ever since crypto mining became a thing, the the gamer the whining sound out of the gaming community has been immense for exactly the reason the problem that is being uh, trying to be addressed here by nvidia which is uh when nvidia wants to create the brand new most awesome powerful graphics card that can do you know 750 frames per second in uh, you know, an IMAX and right, right, yeah, and, and of course, you know, here I am hooking it up to a 1920 by 1080 screen, but I don't even care. Uh, but they build these cards, and the cards have enough processing power, and and it's parallel processing power, which is exactly what you need for mining. That 
the cards just get bought up by all the miners. It's kind of like when when you're in if you happen to live in a place that has, uh, you know, lots of cheap power and the miners will see the cheap power and move in and crank up the rates because they're consuming all the power. It's it crypto mining was was designed to be as computationally intensive as power intensive as hardware intensive as the market would allow the only thing i don't get about this story is is this feels like a little bit of virtue signaling from nvidia i understand that they are trying to recapture the their Uh oh i heard yoko yeah it's i uh okay i got it i i gotta digress in a moment but i'm I'm gonna finish my thought um about fucking spam my god the number of spam phone calls somehow i got on a new list i've had like four day now um nvidia i i guess they're trying to raise their their cred again and say hey we haven't forgotten about you gamers but from from a purely corporate maximizing profit position uh all all they need to do is is put out video cards and people will buy it and does it matter who's buying it for what purpose i don't think so the weirdest part about this whole scenario is that nvidia has also announced a new line of cards that are strictly for mining, which will take up less power while mining, which will give you better hash rates while mining than the other card. Because as something I learned recently, which I had no idea, when it comes to overclocking my NVIDIA cards in order to have them do the crypto stuff, it wasn't just jack up everything and make the cpu faster make the memory faster jack up how much power it can use jack up the fan no it turns out that what the cards actually need is not the same as gaming and for the best results on my current computer it was bringing the maximum power down to the low 60 something percent it was taking the cpu and lowering that i think about 300 steps but then it was jacking up the memory clock by close to 800 steps, whatever those steps are. I don't remember, but the re you know, it's all very easily done in the MSI afterburner sure. software, but it's not just jack everything and run it the fastest you possibly can. What crypto needs is different than what the games well, need. What, what, what games need is a graphics card. What crypto needs is a massively parallel coprocessor which happens to be what graphics cards use to process the number of polygons they need to process per second. But the, the needs are slightly different. And if they can optimize for one versus the other, then I actually, this makes really good sense. Uh, the, the story as you presented it, and I, I admit that I'd only glanced over the headline and went, eh, I'm not going to worry about it, but I should have. Uh, the, the story is presented was they're nerfing the cards, which is right. going to be annoying to miners. But if at the same time they're coming out with, Hey, miners go buy this one, which is optimized for mining. Right. Then what that is, is that's, that's understanding your demographic. That's understanding your market. That's, that's putting out a product that people will use. And if they can, I don't, I, I don't know. Nerfing a card for mining it sounds terrible and and i haven't seen the technical specs i haven't seen what they're actually doing under the covers so maybe on a technical level that's what they're doing here but but trying to make you know to hinder the function of the card 
is a problem when removing these blocks would make everything better. Whereas offering a more specialized product for miners and saying, Hey, miners, go to this and reduce the demand on the gaming card so that gamers can get back to going out and, and, you know, spotting a nipple through the sniper scope from 1200 yards away or whatever it is that people try to do in these games. Um, then that's actually meeting your market demand. Yes, it is. And that's why it doesn't make sense while you're doing both of these things offering the cards that are better for mining that is what all the professional miners will go to as long as they can get their hands on them sure. because it will be and, less and, power and it will be more efficient so they won't and want graphics the game cards, cards are consumable you you buy a new one every couple months because they're burning them out well yes because that's the problem when you're running these things at uh you know the speeds that people are trying to get out of them but that what doesn't make sense is to me if you're offering the alternative for the crypto people that means all the professional crypto people are going to that not to the game cards so the people that are going to buy the game cards will be the gamers so by nerfing these cards as you call it what you're really doing is hurting those gamers only who get these cards because now they've got something that is artificially limited to where they can't use it to do the crypto stuff when they're not gaming. I mean, uh, gamers do have to take some time off every now and then. And by crippling this, they said the way this was going to work. And I'm, we would be guessing, I don't know how secure these drivers are, but I'm assuming somebody can get in and change this because it sounded like the technology was they could recognize the types of algorithms that are used when doing crypto. And when they recognize that the card is working on that type of algorithm, then it will lower the ability of the card to work by about 50%, which doesn't seem like a good idea at any time because just wait till this thing malfunctions and starts uh, knocking the card down by half when somebody's playing a game. I keep waiting for them to catch fire. <laughs> halt and catch fire. Yeah. It's, unfortunately, most of these new modern chips, when they overheat, they just shut down. They have some chip inside that cuts power to it. It just never, it's not nearly as interesting as. Is coming back after a weekend and finding a, a server with black smoke coming out all the vents. Yes. But uh, I have not been following this. Does anybody out there know if if Radeons are even remotely competitive this generation? Every every few years they come out with something that's really competitive and give NVIDIA a big kick in the pants. And then NVIDIA is like, oh, maybe we should innovate again. And then they come out and become automatically more awesome than any Radeon ever. And, you know, kind of like Intel and, and AMD were back in the day. But I, I'm, I'm just wondering, does NVIDIA have any competition for this? Because if if NVIDIA puts out a, a graphics card and Radeon puts out a graphics card that is equally powerful, but isn't completely nerfed for mining, that would be considered a competitive edge. Yeah, I, I would think it might be slightly slower on the gaming side, but you're like, hey, you know what? Those eight hours a day I'm sleeping, I can make money. By running the algorithm to do the you know Ethereum or whatever mining you're doing, that would make sense. So I don't know how this is all going to shake out. I mean, I think it's a great idea that they've introduced a line of cards made strictly for the mining because that should have taken care of the problem. Why you're doing that simultaneously as artificially limiting the card, I don't get. Unless there's something more to this, and I don't know what that would be. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah. 
just maybe a bad move. Like, oh, like you said, virtue signaling. That way they can tell all the gamers who have been complaining that they can't get the hands on the most recent card. Like, no, see, now the, they won't be buying these because we've crippled it in software. And, you know, these people that are doing serious crypto mining, I don't know how this is going to be locked in. But again, show me a device that hasn't been jailbroke or hacked or in some way that you really think the people that are doing this professionally aren't going to figure out a way around this block. Yeah, it's that's only hurting. A great point. Yeah, it's only hurting the it, gamers. If it was software, then it would be easy. People had just come out with a custom driver or custom you know, driver hack or something. But uh, I mean, if it's firmware, you got to figure out a way to either flash the card or or rewrite the driver to work around those. It, you know, actually, more importantly, I like I said, I haven't looked at any of the technical specs of this, but how long will it take before somebody comes out with new mining software that spoofs itself and pretends to look like gaming true true or yeah i mean what what are the technical details of this block and how long is it going to take for people to get around it that's going to be a new industry and and do not underestimate the total amount of brain power that is dedicated toward getting an edge in mining it's it'll be interesting to watch this because i applaud nvidia for coming out with the new brand just for the miners but this virtue signaling or whatever it is i'm just waiting for the first gamers to get this and be like oh wait why are you limiting the card i bought it's a very dangerous precedent to start what we've and we've seen it from other companies in the past we're releasing this great hardware but we're slowly going to turn these features on for you i i applaud nvidia for remembering that graphics cards were originally the 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 big power market for graphics cards was originally gamers and those people have been feeling increasingly left out as as these incredibly powerful parallel coprocessors that they call graphics cards have been completely subsumed by uh, the the moneyed interests who are into mining uh, and Yes, there's been a lot of angst from gamers, but then again, you know, going all the way back to uh, Gamergate, which is one thing that people often credit for starting the woke movement. I don't think it started it, but it was. But gamers are in in general very whiny creatures. And (laughs) And you said you're a um, big time gamer. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Have you ever listened to Grumpy Old Ben's? Point well made. Congratulations. So gamers make a lot more noise than is commensurate with the amount of, of, of suffering they're doing, but they have been legitimately screwed in terms of it, it just takes too much money because the, you know, the supply and demand, the, the, I, I've got another story about how, uh, it, the silicone foundries are looking at demand for the next two years going to be 30% above their maximum capacity. Right. There's Uh, going to be a chip shortage. There's no, there's going to be a chip shortage and it, it's supply and demand. The people who were willing to pay more money, you know, as the price, the higher the price of Bitcoin goes, the the more money you're willing to pay for something that mines Bitcoin. Yes. And Um, now that brings gamers are. Yeah. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, this is also leads me to the question, Bill Gates, has been, you know, Mr. Vaccine has been very vocal over this past week or so about how evil crypto is because of the amount of power being burned for what? So it's interesting that somebody of his, you know, stature, whether you like him or not, he does move a lot of political clout. It'll be interesting to see with this Biden administration 
Bill Gates, I mean, he's very tied in with all of this stuff with Fauci and with COVID-19. I can see a push more soon than most people would think where the United States might start going after crypto and trying to make it, if not outright illegal, making well, it the, uh, very inconvenient. The The amount of power used by uh, mining crypto is is a legitimate complaint, especially by anybody who would come who who claims to care about the environment obviously being a you know a right-wing extremist that we are we obviously would like to fill the atmosphere with carbon dioxide and destroy all the natural resources at least that's what i've been told i need to, to run my, my face, ac man to my face by some lefty idiot who didn't quite under but understand nuance but um it, I mean, you talk about nuance. How about uh, I'll just I'll drop in here. It's not really topical, but I'll drop in a quote from Bill Gates says uh, the world has six point eight billion people. That's headed up to about nine billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 to 15 percent. You mean killing off 10 to 15 percent of the population with vaccines? Yeah. Wow. Um I, it, it's not related to anything we've been talking about other than you mentioned Bill Gates and I spit on the ground. That's, that's about. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's an interesting thing because crypto from, you know, there, this is the, the battle of like stuttering there, the battle of the heavyweight billionaires with Elon Musk championing it. And then you got Bill Gates coming in with, oh, no, all that power you're using bad. And he's not wrong. I mean, I'm using well, and- a lot more power just because I'm running my machines. 24 seven where otherwise you could shut them down uh, but bill gates also he's old money he he made his millions in, in the 80s in the old style the the style from 30 years ago which is that you come up with one new idea and you milk the idea into the ground and then some and build a huge monopoly on it also known as the google and facebook model it works it, it does he that's how he made his money uh, but that's very different than making your money in, in crypto. You you got to remember that Bill Gates is uh, he, he's not into crypto because he got his money without crypto. The people who are still trying to make money using crypto are going to be a lot more in favor. So he's he's definitely not an impartial person there. No. And most people that are making their money in crypto are not really doing anything. That's the hilarity of that it the, the value went up from about what 39 i think at the low so let's just say about a four thousand low and it's up to right about fifty thousand now so that is uh 12 times which means if you would have put in you know a million bucks into crypto when it was at its lowest you'd now have 12 million and that is in under a year a million to 12 million it's nuts i i, I wish i had a million bucks back then and also had the foresight to put it into crypto but yeah i i don't i don't know how you could i mean it's it i have a million bucks back then it well, would have been difficult no i mean not that but making that jump being that crypto had i mean bitcoin which is kind of crypto to a lot of people bitcoin had just gone down from i think a high of about eighteen thousand down to four so there were a lot of people that lost a lot of money and i see that coming again i see this as nothing but gambling which is fine people point out all stocks and all that is gambling and it is putting money in metals is gambling yeah it's a little different because that has been much more stable over the years but the reality is it's all gambling you don't know where the prices are going to go but anything that involves that kind of massive swings it's like 
Well, where does that wealth come from? That's always my big question. Where does this come from? If everybody that has this Bitcoin in their possession right now today says, oh, I want to sell it off. That's not a legitimate thing. It would do it crash. There's that would go to zero. So I've got uh, you want to hear about some uh, some breaches of security. Sure. Who got breached? Uh, the unemployment department in Illinois is the current one. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Illinois, they have other things to worry about. Uh, yeah, actually, this this wasn't a cyber breach. This was people opening claims online using the IDES system. Uh, um, IDES. Um, using data from breaches, uh, you know, every time there's a data breach, we talk about, hey, your your name, your address, your phone number, all of this information is getting out. Well, the IDES system in Illinois for unemployment, uh, the system only requires that you have your name, your birth date, uh, your hometown and your previous employer, and you can file for unemployment. Um, all of that information is available to anybody who puts up a, a, a quiz on Facebook. Right. Which is why you never answer those. Yeah. Well, I, or, or, you know, answer them wrong from a, a private browsing instance and then close the tab to kill all the cookies. Yeah. I mean, if you're entertained, right. I, I never answer them primarily because they're stupid, but, um, but yeah, the ID system has, uh, a no, no method of flagging accounts, no two factor authentication, um, no verification of anything other than, you know, if you've got the right name, the right birth date, the right employer, then you can file an, an employment. And, um, there, there, the story that I read, uh, in ABC seven Chicago interviewed a person who was talking about he had been he he had received notices from the state seven times saying that he had filed for unemployment and here's your first check and you need to you know do this thing to get more and he says i have a job i've never filed for unemployment yes this uh, happened but, to my wife's his, boss actually the guy that owns the company she works for oh, yeah? same thing this is rampant. His name got in a database and people were just using his name to file for unemployment. And if you can, if you can intercept that mail, which by the way, I recommend getting a locking mailbox for anybody who thinks their mail might be intercepted. Uh, you, you can just grab that debit card that they send you and, and go on a spending spree on someone else's unemployment. Right. Cause that was my question. Like, how are they turning this into getting the money and using it. I was figuring that people involved in the post office were, uh, were, were a part of this. I did, you know, I wouldn't be that surprised. No. Uh, the, the other thing it pointed out is that for the people who have jobs and just keep getting unemployment notices, this is affecting their credit scores. There have been comments where people are saying, um, I, my credit score has gone down by 85 points. Because somebody keeps filing for unemployment in my name. So even if you think that, oh, well, this, I'll just ignore all of it and it'll go away. No, this impacts you in today's uh, connected society. Well, the other unemployment uh, story I have is, is a little bit of a continuation. And that is that the uh, Washington unemployment department, it's funny how Illinois and Washington seem to be the states that are just screwing everything up when it's not. Well, when it's not New York or California, know, and we both have such good governors. I know it. Yeah. Wait, wait no. <laughs> By the way, uh, this weekend is the one year anniversary of Jay fucking Inslee's first unconstitutional COVID decree. Wow. Are you celebrating? Are you having a party? Are you? Yeah, I'm going to go out without a mask. 
Wow, that is um, rebellious. The behavior. Washington State uh, Employment Security Department (ESD) um, has announced that the solar winds hack that they had where they had lost uh 1.7 million records of Washington state citizens. Um, it turns out it's actually about 50% larger than they reported. Um, and then uh, as we reported uh, only last month uh, while investigating the solar winds hack of the Washington state unemployment department, the Washington state auditor got victimized by the Excelion hack. And lost 1.4 million records of people, the, the records that they had collected while investigating the solar winds hack. Wow. So um, the Washington State Senate is now creating in, uh, a new bureaucracy, which may even be warranted in this case. They are creating an office of the chief information officer. They are creating a cybersecurity czar. Uh, and if if they go out and start uh, imposing restrictions on us that's a problem and of course they might do that because they're all democrats there but if they do nothing more than go into the systems audit the the electronic systems in the state offices and go okay maybe you should be using a password here it it can't be that bad well there are a lot of assumptions that the people that are running this kind of stuff actually know what they're doing and i still don't think that's the case and this was i mean definitely early on when the internet was just coming into being, you could get hired at any company in a tech role if you could just talk the talk because the people hiring you, that was you know, a lot like politics. Well, very much like politics because the people hiring you didn't know. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm running a whatever business. I know I need to get on the internet. I know I wanted my offices to be connected. And I want that all to be secure, but I have no idea how to do that. So who am I going to hire to do that? And what, you know, how do you know? I mean, they come in with the back resume. in the day, management of large organizations back in the day, not only didn't know how to connect to the internet, they didn't actually know what they wanted. They knew the internet was some kind of buzzword yes. and that, that they, people were asking, Hey, connect to the internet. So you just go out and hire somebody right out of college and say, connect me to the internet which has uh, as a requirements document goes is a little bit vague. Right. And I can only imagine with COVID, especially now that with people working remotely, it's like, okay, you'll have a company CEO on a zoom connection or whatever they're using for eight hours a day with his assistant or whatever that is. And assuming that nobody else could ever view what you're, you know, what you're doing or what you're saying, you know, hear what you're saying. And, there's a lot of people that just don't even understand what kind of issues having your machine, whatever it is, connected to the Internet. Like, oh, if you have even one of these Amazon or Google devices, they can be hacked. Your laptop can be hacked, as we've talked about over and over again. Your cell phones can definitely be hacked if somebody gets you to install an app where they can listen to what you're doing at any time or they can record things or they can send texts on your behalf. And a lot of people, I don't think, still understand the dangers that are out there or what to look for or even think that they'll ever be a target. But as with this unemployment stuff, everybody's a target at this point. I'm a target. You're a target. Everybody's a target. And that is kind of the problem. Oh, yeah. You muted. I Sorry, I was telling Yoko to fuck off again. <laughs> See, what you need to I, do 
And this this sucks. As- my my phone number ended up clearly ended up getting into somebody news database because I'm I'm getting four calls a day from unknown numbers. Who gave Ryan's number out? I had to finally install an app, and I know you hate apps, but there was a guy that's making an app, and of course you have to give him like the access to the stuff. But the app is necessary on the Android phones, unlike the iPhones. This is one thing they have in their normal settings. You can't say only ring if it's somebody in my contacts. You cannot That's do that. That's the only feature I want. I know. Me and too. I, I, I have dug in <laughs> and I there are 27 apps out there that every one of them is like, put numbers in the blacklist and it won't ring. And I'm like, that's not going to work because it's always a different number. What I want is if the number is not in my contacts, don't even fucking ring. Don't even notify me. You can keep a log somewhere that I can check seven days later. I don't care, but just like, don't even interrupt my playing podcast. Yes. I mean, that's, and you want it. I've to never be- found that app. Is that a thing? The the app that I'm using is called Calls Blacklist, and it was just like by a dude's name or whatever it was. That's not what I want. I don't want a blacklist. I want a whitelist. I want I want automatically whitelist everything in my contacts, but otherwise every single number just don't even ring. Yes, that's what his software allows you to do. Although, so it's okay. probably a really bad name for the <laughs> for the app because it doesn't let you know that. But yeah, you can uh, you can blacklist or whitelist, and it just it works. I haven't gotten one spam call on it since I added this. And uh, I can, if I can find the link for the, because there's a bunch of things that are very similar. And as and then, we know, there's a lot of really bad developers who release this kind of stuff. So be careful. And, and by the way, if, if it's open source and I can go read the source code myself, then even if I don't read the source code, if I can, then there's a higher level of trust than just saying, oh yeah, trust me so that you, you can protect from the other evil people. Yes. Well, yeah, because I want to send you ads. That would be better. Yeah. I'm not against somebody who wants to send me ads. I'm against somebody sending me ads, but I have blockers for that. Yeah. But if you want to use their software, then it's like, hey, I'll send you a couple of bucks. How about that? It seems fair as opposed to all of the uh, the ad based things, although I get why they do it. I just think that as we continue to go further on down the line, it's going to get harder and harder to monetize anything through ads. I mean, they are just getting so I know. We, I think we talked about this the last episode. Watching YouTube is getting very, very hard again was trying to watch Modern Rogue. And I don't know if they have a different setting because the uh, the Tom Merritt and Sarah Lame show doesn't get interrupted. And maybe that's because nobody wants to advertise during it. I don't know. But Modern Rogue is getting interrupted during their little like 15, 20 minute episodes multiple right. oh. times. Honestly, I think that they don't get interrupted probably because they're a larger show and have more audience and are already making enough money. I I would not be surprised in the least. And I have no entire insider knowledge of this. If Google has some kind of uh, a threshold that says if they're making us enough money on pre-roll and display ad, then then don't interrupt it because you don't want to kill that golden goose. But if they're only just barely getting by, then go ahead and screw up the content. Right. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the algo has that. No, it's a system that nobody really understands. The, the, the YouTube algo at this point has, has probably achieved self-awareness. And even if it hasn't, it's smarter than most Democrats. Yeah, so, there was I, the one review guy that I really like, Marquez Brownlee, who goes by MKBHD on YouTube. Posted a thing on social media somewhere. It was probably Twitter. 
Like, would you watch long form, you know, video of something like this on YouTube? And it's like, no, because if it's like an hour long video, no, it's going to take like 16 hours with all of the ad breaks. I, I, I watch as little as possible on YouTube. Really, it's just those damn tutorial videos by some idiot who seems to think that if they have knowledge that the best way to provide it is is a long and rambling video starts with hi guys <laughs> like it and ends with like and subscribe and somewhere in the 35 minutes is is the the 90 seconds worth of information that they could have put into a goddamn paragraph of text and i'm ranting about that again i don't need to be doing that i've heard that's called the uh, tim pool model that you take 90 seconds of content and you expand it to 90 minutes that's about right. Although 90 minutes is Tim pool warming up. <laughs> takes him 90 minutes to put on his beanie. Hey, it doesn't. Speaking of streaming 24 seven. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. He's, he streams a lot. And I mean, there's money to be made, I guess. I'm not sure. How, he, well, he's making more money than we are. So it's hard to knock it. Yeah. Kudos. How do we get some of that sweet, sweet Tim pool money? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you heard that uh, Chromium is officially going down the shitter? Yes, for various reasons. And I think uh, this was a story well, I saw. I don't even know if we have the same reason. Well, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Although uh, the story that I saw this morning was due to cold acid the of the Rare Encounter podcast. Oh, that guy. Yeah. that he posted he, an article. He feeds of, us so many great stories. He should start his own podcast. He should. Oh, wait. I think he did. Um, the fact is, it seems, at least this was the gist of the article, Google is making some changes in the Chrome browser that is going to start limiting some of the features because they're realizing that the knockoff browsers, the, the variants like the Brave browser, yeah. which are based on their core, are now using these features that they want to be locked down only to Chrome because they're they're seeing that decrease in users and i mean i get it they want the that, most users that, as possible that's a conspiracy theory is they they want people to keep on their browser and it's plausible yeah it would seem to be but now I, they're going to start limiting things it's like this is going to be interesting for everybody like brave that is using that core i mean maybe it's time yeah. to come up with your own um, or go somewhere else I mean, and, and the the Chromium model is has been particularly bad for lock in for a while because uh, Google has open sourced the the engine, the the core of the browser, so that you can have you've got a full browser there that that works and functions and does everything you need, and it's got all their features. And then the only thing that they keep behind the scenes is their their dressing, the things that make it that name it chrome and i'm not even sure that that's closed source it's just uh, it's, uh, you're, you're not allowed to build something and say this is chrome only google can do that but you can build you can build the brave browser you can build it a center browser you can build the um i uh, uh, the one i'm using is just straight up called chromium or called ungoogled chromium where uh somebody went out and stripped out all of the all of the things that phone home to google and and put out the bra- and if you are if your goal is like every you know google always claimed to be is we want to put out a great browser in fact when when chrome was 
rising to power as the greatest thing in the world. And, and, you know, the only, the only reason you would ever, you run internet Explorer is to download Chrome. That was, that was the, I mean, we always got that one. Uh, when Chrome was rising, the argument that Google always made was, uh, well, we're just putting the browser out here for free because we're a search and advertising company. And that means that the more people who are connected, the better we off we are. And therefore, it makes sense for us to put out a browser that everyone can use. And that was true back in the day. But I'm not sure that that's enough anymore for Google. I I think that Google has grown large enough that they will that that it is in their best interests to control everything everywhere. And that includes the browser. And so they might have to start going back on on their promise of this will be an open browser. So the specific thing that changed here is that the features Chrome sync and click to call have been made closed source. They have been pulled out of Chromium and are put into the behind the scenes Google build thing that that takes the Chromium source, mixes it with some of their own secret sauce and and spits out a browser binary that everybody gets to download which is anathema to the open source model, but tends to be the way that most people get software these days because very few people compile their own shit. They have taken those two features and made them closed source. Now, Chrome Sync, that is the thing that says if you have a Google account, then you can synchronize your settings across all instances of Chrome. And it used to be all instances of any Chromium browser. I could put up settings on my Chromium and you could put settings on your brave. And then if you log in with the same Google account on another browser, then you would get the same settings. Right. Cause they're all, based but if on you the care about core. privacy, if you care about privacy enough to install a non Chrome browser, you're probably not using a Google account anyway. So not sure that's a huge problem. Uh, the other feature click to call is the same thing where if you are logged into your Google account, and you have a contact in your Google contacts list that has a Google voice number, you can click and it will open up a, I, I don't know what protocol, Google chat. some. it will open up a, a communication with them in one click, which is, is neat and shiny and honestly not a feature I require of my browser. Yeah. Neither so, one of those I have ever used either, but that's, I mean, I so do these use- specific features are honestly a huge yawn that they're being taken away. What is much more scary is the precedent that is being set of Google has started removing features from the open source thing and pulling them back into their closed source thing. And anybody with any small amount of memory in, in the technology sphere will remember when AOSP was almost all of Android. And now, right. 80% of the functionality of what people consider a Google phone is in the Google play services, which are entirely closed source and locked behind layers of obfuscation and legalese. And AOSP is really a a very light open source shell. Well, because it's the same concept here. We have this great thing. It's free. Come use it. And then once you have a large user base, you go, oh, well, we have you now. We may as well close this up. And hope people stick with it. Now, I don't remember when this first happened 
because there were a bunch of competing browsers. I'm old enough to remember that Netscape was the first that I remember. And I know there were a couple really early on attempts at browsers. But when Google decided they were going to make the Chrome engine available for other people to use, like the Brave browser and everybody else, did they put out a statement like we're just trying to make a better world? Why did they offer this up for everybody to use except for maybe they thought everybody was going to keep the default search engine as Google and that's all they really cared about in the long run because you don't charge for the browser. So it's not like you're making money every time somebody installs the browser. The concept would be the browsers are making money. And I know we mentioned this at one point in Grumpy Old Bands because it was still something that amazed me at the time and still kind of did, which was Netscape slash Firefox was making millions of dollars a month just by having Google be the default search engine. And then every referral that was going out there, they were getting a kickback from Google. So that's how browsers are making money. Yeah, that that was originally called the Microsoft model when when IE was bundled into Windows. It, it yes, it, it, I mean, it's a lock in model. Um, but when uh, this started, I, I was Google that, like, yay, go use our stuff because it's better for everybody. What was the yeah, I, I think that was part of it. When when Chrome was first open sourced, uh, I first of all, this was close to 10 years ago. And I think that there were still a lot of people at Google who bought into the argument of we want, you know, we have a lot of extra money and we just want to make the world a better place. And of course. Uh, that that's gone today. And I don't think that there's anybody still working at Google who has anything on their mind other than canceling everybody who's anywhere to the right politically of Joseph Stalin. But Google had the idea of, we want to make a better world. Now for the skeptics and cynics who didn't buy that, they also said, Oh, and because we're an internet company, every time that another person gets on the internet, we make more money and therefore it's beneficial to us to get as many people on the internet as possible. And I think I, I, I believe that um, I, I don't think that was, you know, when, when Google was still growing, that was a big concern. Google's not growing anymore because they have everything. So at this point, the only thing that they can do is, is seize more control over what they have in order to monetize it. Right. Well, Google's that's even not, the question. Is it, are they really monetizing this more? If it's done within Chrome, so if somebody is a Google Docs and a Gmail user and they use these things on a daily basis, does it really matter to Google whether they're doing it in Chrome or Brave or even Firefox? Where is the, what, you know, the money what being matters, made? What matters is that people are doing it while logged into Google services and while reporting back data to the Google engine because Google, Google doesn't make money in some abstract way based on every time you launch a new Chrome tab, they get X pennies or something. Right. Um, what the way Google makes money is every time you launch a new Chrome tab and, and go to a website, they now know that you went to that website and here is a thousand points of data that are all attached to your account. And they know a little bit more about your behavior and in aggregate over billions of people, uh, they, they don't make a few cents on that click. They make several dollars on that click and multiply. I mean, they are printing gold bars at Google. And what this should be telling people is your data as much as you think it doesn't matter or that it's not worth anything to anyone. This should prove 
that it is because Google seems to be fighting really hard just to be able to log your clicks more or less. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a reason for that because they are making an insane amount of money on that. We, we don't even know how much money Google makes per click, but what we do know is that whatever you think a click is worth to you to, uh, you know, back in the day when we used to get the, uh, the extraordinary amount of, of three cents every time somebody clicked on a banner ad on your website in 1997. And of course, you know, so those yes. of us who were, who, who were a little bit creative decided to start making automated clicking systems. Yeah. They but, caught on to that pretty quick. Yeah. They it didn't take long, but, but we could make plenty of beer money in the meantime. Um, whatever you think that somebody's making per click, I, I guarantee Google is you know, however much money you think Google is making off of your data. It's 10 times more than that. They, they, it is really absolutely disgusting how powerful they are. It's the reason why they have enough money to take over entire economies and cancel political establishments and just run rampant over culture and do whatever the hell it is that they want. Well, it's because the more accurate the profile they have on you, the more it is worth. I mean, I just bought some uh, vinyl wipes, which are little record cleaners, you know, like 20 little. They're kind of like uh, wet wipes, but for vinyl and like a 20 pack delivered was like 15 bucks. But I'm very much into that vinyl ecosystem. So now if Google knows that, I mean, if somebody is bringing out a product like that and to be fair, I saw the ad on uh, Facebook. So that's the only reason I heard about this company and then looked into it and was like, yeah, I want that. But they showed up in my Facebook feed, which no doubt showed up because I like music and I discuss things every now and then, you know, vinyl related. And once they build that profile, if you're a company that just came out with a new product that is for people that use vinyl albums all the time, you're going to get much better sales if you're actually advertising to people that are in that community rather than well, I'm just going to randomly pick this uh, Bembrose guy without even knowing. Maybe you have a turntable. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a vinyl record in your house. Maybe you don't. It is sure. much more valuable to have that data. There's no question about it. The the holy grail to advertisers is that you you only spend your advertising budget getting your message out to people who want to buy your product. It is efficiency. That's- and 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 that is what that is exactly what Google and Facebook are selling. And on that promise, they have completely taken over the entire advertising market in, well, the world. And if you um, want to opt out of that now, this is not a simple thing to do. No, no, it's particularly difficult. And I've got a really, really long rant about another company that is making that much more difficult. Um, and, and I am definitely bringing that rant no matter how long it makes the show go. So just, but I had one more Google story. I real quick. I wanted to pull up, uh, back in December, uh, when on, uh, I mentioned this on grumpy old Ben's one nineteen. Google fired, uh, Timnit Gebru, who was, uh, one of two heads of the, uh, AI ethics department. Um, right, right. Tim Timnit Gebru was going against the party line and uh, had just released a paper saying we might want to back off on AI because uh, there is um, AI opportunity cost uh, and you know the the two big reasons that that appeal to leftists. She Timnit Gebru, she was definitely a, a leftist. There's no doubt about that. To use a Darrenism, um, 
No doubt. She she fought back in 2019 to stop the rollout of Amazon facial recognition in Portland. We reported that one, too. Uh, but uh, the, the two big reasons why she said AI is concerning. One is it takes a lot of electricity to train, which which like Bitcoin mining, right. if you are concerned about green energy and about energy costs, you should raise an eyebrow at the sheer amount of power that a company like Google is using just to spin up machine learning models. Uh, the other thing is, she said, if we don't carefully curate the data set, our AI will be racist. <laughs> right, right, right. Because, yeah. you know, computers, they can see skin color. So that was our story back. We brought up in December where uh, so Tim Gebru, who was was one of the two heads of AI ethics department at Google. Um, she was fired. For that for for that paper, we guess. Well, what Google has done now is they fired Margaret Mitchell, the other one, the other ethics co-head. Um, she was doing an investigation of Gebru's firing, trying to determine if upper <laughs> management had done it correctly, and says uh, she has now been locked out of her corporate account for weeks, and finally got the notice that uh, she is no longer employed by Google. Wait, wait. So was this a case of they're like, hey? We want you to go investigate this, but, you know, find out what we want you to find think, out. <laughs> I don't think that they wanted her to investigate it. Oh, OK. So they didn't tell her to investigate. They I, realized I think that she I, I think that these two people worked very, very closely with each other. And when one of them mysteriously gets canceled by upper management, the other one's like, hey, wait a minute. We were we had a thing going on. I what well, there there was a department and and started checking it out. And, you know, I'm not necessarily going to spread the conspiracy theory that she was fired because she was investigating the other one i just think that it's a little bit interesting that google had two people in charge of their ethics department and got rid of both of them within two months yeah this feels like one of those star trek episodes where members of the crew just randomly keep disappearing (laughs) (laughs) maybe it is welcome to google wait what where where do you go oh you're the last one left congratulations yeah yes but so you have a really long rant you're saying oh oh i've got and and it you you i don't know if you're gonna have much to add to this because it involves uh it involves a social network that i was really into at the start of the show and i ended up abandoning them a while back and you know for all of my complaining that you shouldn't be on facebook and twitter you (laughs) were pointing it right back at me saying that i should not be on reddit hit me with a bem rant so reddit has removed the option in their preferences page to opt out of digital tracking. Oh, uh, now this is the, by the way, uh, you, you might not have known about it if you hadn't. Well, actually it, it hit blogs. So it's big now, but I think that they, they tried to keep it under the radar because rather than posting it in r slash blog or r slash announcements or somewhere that gets it, they dropped it into r slash change log. Like, Oh, here's a little technical thing we did. Um, they, uh, they made three changes. Uh, the first one titled quote, simplifying personal preferences. Um, our personalization preferences have been pretty confusing. Uh, yeah, they have too many oh, confusing choices. That's and so, the reason. yeah. Uh, so let's see, we go all the way down. What did they do? We no longer support the option to opt out of personalization of ads based on your Reddit activity because it was confusing to have. Uh, a switch that would let you opt out or opt in. Um, the second thing that they've done uh, has to do with actually uh, 
a feature that they added four years ago and lots of people were raising red flags four years ago saying uh, how this was going to be abused. Um, four years ago, Reddit started to, well, you, you know that Reddit is effectively a huge link aggregator where it, when you post a story, it's a link usually out to something else on the internet, although Reddit started their own uh, video and image hosting thing. So when you post memes, you can now host them in, in sight. Right. But it's it's a huge platform where every story has a link to somewhere on the internet. And then there's a really long discussion. And I think the discussion is far more valuable than the links, but lots of people just use it as a link farm. That's fine. Um, all of their outbound links in the title of the story four years ago, they set the default to um, instead of linking to uh, you know, bloomberg.com or the verge.com or imager.com. It would, every one of them would link out to out.reddit.com which was a redirector, which would redirect you to the site. Why would you do this? Darren, I think you can answer that. Why you would uh, do that? Because that way you want advertising. You want to build. Yes. You want to intercept that traffic. So you can track what everybody does. So you know what people link to what, you know what you're doing. Okay, fine. Well, that, that option was created four years ago and uh, it was uh, quote to add privacy was the reason. Right, uh, they right. Said, because well, that way people can't see where you're coming from. Yeah. We're obfuscating you for the bad site you're going to rather yes. than like, no, we just want to so, mention. So GrumpyOBens.com direct- doesn't right. know what, you know, that you did anything other than you clicked on it from Reddit. That Yeah. Um, they said, uh, by the way, you can trust us. We leverage <laughs> only the aggregated data. Um, we, you know, we don't track, uh, you know, we, we actually, what did they say? We, we don't. We don't do. We don't personalize any ads based on individual user data. Only the aggregate. That does not specifically does not say that they're not collecting the data. They're just not currently using it to personalize. So they say. Um. So, um. Yeah. So removing outbound click preference. What four years ago they added the feature. It was on by default, but you could turn it off. Well, um. Quote. While there are safety and operational purposes for tracking outbound clicks, we leverage only aggregated data, blah, 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 blah. We're removing this setting to reduce confusion. Wow. A lot of people on Reddit must have been complaining for years how confused they were. Yes. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get to some of the fantastic comments on it. But one of the ones I liked was, I'd rather take the confusion. Thank you. <laughs> Confucius <laughs> says sometimes confusion yeah. is better. I, yeah, uh, people saying, "Hey, we weren't confused. We didn't want tracking." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The 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 top comment, um, you know, those preferences were pretty well hidden. The only you know people weren't confused because if you didn't know this was there, it, it was. By the way, it was hidden on page two of the preferences. If you didn't know it was there, then uh, you, you would you wouldn't know to turn it on. Uh, the only people who ever clicked this were the people who cared about privacy. I mean, the, the comments are pretty much spot on. Um, but yeah, quoting just straight from their, their change log release, it says uh, we are removing this setting uh, because uh, we, you know, because of confusion uh, top comment said, don't piss on my shoe and tell me it's raining. Um, the, the very last thing in the, in the Reddit post, was where they say uh, Reddit's commitment to user privacy isn't changing. We're just reducing confusion. And, and you know what? That That's the one part of this that I believe their commitment to user privacy is we're against it. And that's not changing. Right. 
We have to get all of the data that we can because that's the business that they should be in. But just be honest about it and let people know what's going on. Then people can decide, do you want to use it or not? So this did. Oh, the, the other thing that's brought up rightly by a lot of the people in, in the comments is the GDPR Um, by European union law. Uh, all privacy settings like this must be opt in and not opt out. So Reddit was already violating the GDPR by making these settings opt in. Uh, however, Reddit is now changing them to a no opt. Right. You're just forced. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, you're getting it, which violates the GDPR pretty strongly. Uh, however, it's been, and, and this might be one of the things feeding into Reddit's decision. Uh, the GDPR has pretty much demonstrated itself to be toothless on account of the European Union is not putting any effort into enforcing it. No. So India lots of things is. violate. It, yeah, you know, it, and and it's fortunate that someone is, but he may you know. And Reddit is an English speaking site for the most part, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It 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 violates GDPR, but I don't think Reddit seems to care about this. This is all. I blame Steve Jobs. I just want you to know that. Oh, sure. Blame um, the dead guy. Absolutely. Well, it was it was the the Apple argument of the the confusion argument. The people don't know what they want. It, it back in in Windows when we were suffering under the fact that every time you upgraded there were uh something like 3 trillion different possible configurations of windows and you had to make sure that all of them worked and there was one configuration of apple because steve jobs would get out there on tv and wave his hand and say you know you stupid consumer we'll tell you what you want and also these aren't the jedi you're looking for and people believed him because he had some kind of fucking jedi power that made people believe that oh yes what i want is what apple gives me and i mean it, it was envious to someone who was creating something like windows where we were like, we had to make something that people wanted. And how come when Apple thing, you know, sells things, they can charge twice the price that anyone else would charge and people flock to it and just love what it is that they tell you to love. Well, yeah, they control I, the hardware, which did make it easier on a lot of people, but what they sold this, the public on was a concept of, because of this, your system is much safer. And we don't remember the time when it was like, you don't even have viruses on a Mac. That is long. Well, that, that was gone. true when Mac was 3% and it wasn't worth writing viruses for. Yeah, there was very few. I mean, but it wasn't because it couldn't be done. It was just because nobody had done it. And yeah, it was because nobody cared. Like, if you were going to go out and write a virus, do you write it for a Mac, which has 3% of the computers? Or do you write it for Windows, which has 90%? Now you write it for the Mac because you know those are the people with more money. Yes. And also worse security, although that's changed in the last couple of years. But yes, it's gotten a little better, but there is still that mindset that Apple is better and more secure. And it's just not whether you're talking about laptops and desktops or whether you're talking about phones and tablets. Not really the case. I mean, they're good at what they do, but they're not impervious. I still blame Steve Jobs for the the users will be confused by too much choice argument, which has absolutely caught on amongst developers everywhere. I I, I saw it pervading the company before I, I left where it just 
the idea and and this by the way is incredibly appealing if you are a programmer and you say well i don't want to have to support a hundred different configurations so let's just try to you know it, the the argument always given by program managers in the company was we don't want to support a hundred different configurations we want to support the one right configuration and make sure that it's right for all users, which is utter bullshit because all users are not identical people. <laughs> Some of them like the, you know, want to be the Apple slaves who are, uh, you know, a starving artist who runs Photoshop and nothing else. And some of them are are power users who want to live their lives in the command lines. And some of them are are gamers who want to take their graphics card that costs way, way too much because of thank you, Bitcoiners and just game and they don't all have the same requirements not everybody is the same and the confusion argument treats everyone the same it says we think that if we just create one solution and if we find the right one then everybody will love it and we don't have to support a bunch which is utter bullshit but that's the bullshit that that the apple macintosh model pushed on people you know our solution is the only one you want and by the way, the, the result is that everybody who had different requirements and were technical ended up getting pushed out, not to Windows, but to Linux. Or you, or you made huge compromises. I mean, that's the other issue with it. You're like, well, okay, it almost does what I need, or I can kind of work around that. I mean, for me, back when I got the MacBook Pro in, I think, 2009, it was because they had just started using the Intel chips, I believe, at that time again. So I could dual boot yeah. into Windows and it's like, OK, I can do both on this machine. And that did make it a little bit more valuable because it was more versatile. But there's also something to be said for trying to dumb things down because the average consumer doesn't know what they want. I mean, I can tell you that from selling audio gear, especially speakers, you had to be good with your knowledge as a salesperson. You had to be good at being able to ask a few questions up front. Because if you just walk them into a room, the customer with a hundred different pairs of speakers and like, hey, what do you want? That's not going to do it. What you want to find out well, is, you know, do you want a lot of sound? Do you want are you concerned about size of the speaker? I mean, is that, you know, do you want that? I, I don't think that anybody is pushing for people to make an uninformed decision. That's that's substandard for everyone around. It's it's no good for the consumer. Obviously, it's not good for the retailer because you're going to get returns. It's not good for you know, for the, the maker, because you're going to get support costs, but it, it, an informed decision is the right solution. It's just hard to do. You're right. I mean, because in this case, it's, I would find out and okay, if we want something that doesn't take up a lot of floor space. Okay. I went to the Bose, which I still hate their acoustic mass system, their little satellite speakers. And JBL had just come out with one at the same time, which was cheaper and sounded better. And I would end up selling the JBLs almost all of the time because that's what people preferred. The problem with the Apple system is we can ask you a hundred questions and the end result's always going to be use Mac OS. It doesn't matter what you answered to any of those yeah. questions. It's all the same answer, which is the problem. And there's absolutely appeal if you are a non-technical person who only knows that if the only thing you know, for example, is I want to get on the internet, then somebody hands you a Mac and says, here, use this. And if you have no preferences because you have no information about what you want, then this sort of thing works great. But if you are a power user who already knows what you want, then 
the the non-configurable system almost certainly isn't it. And like you said, if you wanted to use a Mac, if you want to use a Mac, you're going to make compromises on what it is that you get so that you can reshape and conform your expectations into what Apple is offering. And I've always hated that argument. And if you want to see what the worst of the Internet looks like, try Reddit. Oh, indeed. Um, I do have some tips for those people and uh, who, who still use Reddit, who still have a Reddit account. Um, uh, one thing I will recommend is uh, for as long as it still exists, old.reddit.com, O-L-D, is absolutely the way to browse. That gives you the older style interface, which does not have a lot of the newest tracking systems. Um, it also gives you an HTML site as opposed to the current one, which is all JavaScript all the time. Ooh, that's now is that just are they actually doing something different with what they're showing you? Or is that, again, just another ad grab or another data grab? Well, for one thing, the the out.reddit.com redirecting links are dependent almost entirely on uh, JavaScript. They use a. um they use a data link, which uh, I tried to figure out what exactly this did, but it looks like it's a it's a component of Google Analytics. Um, but it uses a a data a JavaScript redirector so that even when you hover over the site, it looks like the link is correct. <clears throat> but well, um, I noticed that when I when I ran uh, with uh, when I ran in Chrome and I tried clicking a link, uh, sure enough, it sent me to out.reddit.com first, which then redirected me despite hovering over the link, showing me the correct link. Um, when I used my lockdown browser, pale moon that has no JavaScript or anything, um, it didn't. I, and I actually confirmed this by blocking out.reddit.com at the pie hole. It completely bypassed the outbound links. So Reddit wasn't tracking me there. Now that said, um, anytime that you browse a social media site, while logged in, everything that you do, every page that you load on that site is already being attached. So if you browse Reddit while logged in, a lot of information is being attached to your account that always has been. Uh, it appears Reddit is becoming more savvy about wanting to use that information and mine it, but they've been collecting it forever. Um, oh, by the way, I almost forgot to mention there was a third change that was in this change log post um, where they used to have the same personalization settings for logged out users as logged in where you could opt out of, of the outbound links. You could opt out of tracking. You could opt out of a number of things, including, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to see, uh, ads. I don't want to, you know, it, not that, I mean, it would right. reduce. Well, they have removed the personalization settings page entirely if you are not logged in. Well, because fuck you. If you're logged out, you get ads. They want to force people to get an account like a lot of sites do, because we know they could set all of these settings with a simple cookie and save them in your browser. But no, no, if you force somebody to log in, then you have some data from them. But uh, that's why if you're yes. going to Reddit, always use a VPN, always use a fake name, always use a fake or secure email. Yeah. And, and those help you a little bit, but it doesn't even matter with with modern AI these days. Every social media network, especially if you create an account and you do any non-trivial amount of things on that account, then they are building up uh, a large profile of you. And it doesn't even matter that your name 
is fake or that your email is, is a throwaway Gmail. Because if you click enough things, then they know that we have a person who is located in, uh, you know, Southern Chirac with, uh, who, who's into, uh, guns and air fryers and, uh, <laughs> flooring. And, you know, they build a huge profile on you and they don't even need your name. And honestly, if they need to attach your name or something, they just go find, uh, you know, go buy an Excelian data breach database. And it's pretty easy to tie individual accounts to that. Giving fake information online to sites isn't even that useful anymore. Uh, you know, using a VPN will help with the location data, but only a little bit. The more information you give under the same context, and that context could just be a username, the more information you feed into a context, the, the you, you end up with a profile on you that doesn't have to include your name because they don't need to know that you're Darren O'Neill in order to send you ads for VPNs and, and video cards. They just know that that's what you're into, and therefore they're making bank by give, personalizing the ads for user seven zero six three C five five. They gots to make the ads money. Progo says two things in the troll room, and if you're not in the troll room when we do the show live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern, noagendastream.com, you're missing out. One, he says you're the cat whisperer, or I guess both of us, because we've calmed his cat down. Which I don't know. The cat must thrive on angry ranting which is possible but he has the same cats are like that yeah yeah. he has the same question about reddit that i do because i'm not a reddit user although it does show up every now and then in the search results and i go to the page and progo question this question is i don't understand why when i pull up a reddit page as the result of a global web search why am i given the thread starter and like three replies and then a bunch of unrelated threads i don't want on the same page i've never been able to figure that out either and it makes me go if there's a Reddit result, I just kind of ignore it because it doesn't make any sense. To well, me. Some, something social networks discovered a long time ago is there's nothing more intimidating or likely to turn someone away than a blank page. So if you don't have enough content, you fill it with garbage. Search engines figured that one out a long time ago. Random is, text. You know, yeah, it doesn't even matter. You know, it, Google early, early, early on when. You did a search and their entire index had exactly two results with that search term in it. Then they would fill the rest of it out with anything because it didn't even nobody looked at it. It didn't matter. All you knew was that there was a full page of results. So obviously we're good. And then I'll click on the first two anyway. Yeah, you give well, you give me that result. And then you're like, click here if you want to expand the thread. It's like, well, I clicked on the thread. So, of course, I want to read the thread. But again, another click. I mean, I don't know if that's what Reddit is doing. Progo says there are more replies. So I I don't know. Maybe they Reddit has definitely been behind in terms of of in trying to manipulate people with AI, but they're desperately trying to catch up. Yeah. Uh, The, you know, my my recommendation, uh, if you have to use Reddit is if you're on desktop, use old.reddit.com. If you're on mobile, use i.reddit.com, which is their mobile version. Both of them are, uh, significantly stripped down interfaces, which don't give you advanced features like, uh, like tracking, like, uh, intercepting outbound links, you know, those kind of advanced features, but do give you the stories. It gives you, you can, uh, everything you need. And if you have to use an app, never, ever, ever, ever use the official app, which by the way, won't even allow you to browse without being logged into an account. 
Um, there are a ton of third party apps out there for Android and iOS, which will do what you need. Um, I'm not going to tell you what, cause I don't use them and I'm not going to do your research. Um, I had one other thing that Reddit did, uh, only a couple weeks ago, just thought I'd mention it in co- a combination with this. Um, just because it, it, it speaks to motivation potentially again, not, not insinuating anything, but a couple weeks ago, uh, Reddit made an announcement big announcement that they are going to filter and ban all explicit content from uh the front page of their site from r slash all um interesting you will not even be able to see any more of the porn subreddits which by the way i I, as far as i'm concerned are some of the best ones but um the only reason i mentioned this it, it lots of people are doing that and i i was surprised it hadn't happened but this happened literally 36 hours after announcing that they had taken a huge infusion of money from a, uh, an investment group in United Arab Emirates, oh. which happens to be a place where pornography is illegal. Yeah. Well, like I said, India's cracking down on a lot of this stuff. So th- this kind of thing starts making more sense. We've talked multiple times in the past, including, I believe, in the last episode about the problem of a global Internet when different countries have different rules. because. This then causes a complete breakdown of what you can do on these services and different countries going after them for different things, which makes it really hard to run a site like Reddit or like Facebook or like Twitter, which I mean, hey, I just still don't understand why everybody doesn't just go into a country and put their servers where everything's legal and then just be like, ah, screw everybody else. You can block it or whatever you got to do. Because such a place is hard to find. I don't know. Panama's one of them, I think. Uh, or we need to start our own country, Isn't I there, guess. Well, there there, there was, uh, what, what the hell was it called? Like Sea, sea Land or yes. something? There was Off somebody who UK. created an oil derrick in the North Sea. Yes. Or bought an, bought an oil derrick in international waters in the North Sea and decided to call it their own sovereign country and got fiber to it so they had all the uh, bandwidth that they needed and that just absolutely works i would think i I don't know if that's still there i'm surprised that that you know some warship hasn't accidentally fired on it by now but uh they for a while they one of their biggest industries was hosting servers in an international space yes like hey it doesn't matter what you do nobody can you know our jurisdiction is nobody so you try to get the information out of here um, it would make sense. I mean, the Reddit thing, again, I've never been a big user. I understand what the site is, but for a, the longest time, really, until I start talking to you regularly, didn't even realize it was as big as it is. And um, it just weirds me out when sites like the Daily Tech Show with Tom Merritt and Sarah Lane are like, well, if you want to talk to us, go to our subreddit. And it's like, why would you ever send anybody to another site? <laughs> That besides well, you, uh, we, we, we send people to the no agenda troll room, but that's to be live and we're in there live. And that makes sense. And it's relatively we're in control of that room. I mean, that's it's not paid for by us. But well, as of yeah, this point, I mean, yes, I do have a band hammer in there, which is always nice. You know, so that's something that we do have at least the uh, you know ability to control what's going on there. Now, if we were like you know, not good buddies with void zero or connected to the no agenda stream at all. And we were just using a chat room on void Zero's server and we became unruly. Well, he presses a button and we disappear. So sending- yes, but, but void zero hasn't done that, which is one of the reasons why I, I mean, you know, it, 
And for people who don't have a ban hammer, uh, there, you know, Nick the Rat has his own channel on that server. Hog Story has his own channel on that ster- server. Yes. Uh, Abel Kirby and John Fletcher have their own rare encounter channel on that server. But the point is, uh, you know, the person running this and you know they're cool with what you're doing, unlike these sites yeah. that may just disappear you because you said the wrong word. Uh, yeah. I, I know that they're not eliminating things. You know, Reddit has a long history by now of, of stomping on free speech for, for a site that was founded in part by uh, you know a, a person who is is probably spinning in his grave so much you could hook a dynamo up <laughs> and and create electricity. Aaron Swartz, who was a a libertarian at heart and an online freedom fighter and one of the earliest uh, people involved in the EFF, um, he he was one of the founders of Reddit, and when he died, uh. You know, not long after it didn't take Reddit very long to just start pushing various authoritarian things and shutting down, you know, and they they first quarantined and then canceled the biggest conservative site on the Internet, the the Donald. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they've been doing a number of, of authoritarian and politically motivated moves and and a lot of censorship. It was it was enough to drive me away from the platform. So when. When we tell people go to zero node because we have an, a channel there, we know that zero node has never done anything to indicate that they would shut down people or censor free speech. Reddit has done nothing but for the last eight years. And so uh, podcasts like Daily Tech News Show podcasts like who are these podcasts who maintain presence on Reddit and push people to go there? Um you're going to get canceled yes. daily tech news show. I don't know. Tom, Tom is very, very careful. And actually this is another thing I respect about him. He is very careful to, I, I know what his politics are because I've watched enough of him, especially when he's not on that show. But if you only watch that show, it is very difficult to tell what his politics are because he is so good at keeping his own personal opinion out of the news stories. And I really respect that about him. So he's less likely to get canceled show like uh, who are these podcasts i'm honestly surprised reddit hasn't banned them already well it's because well tom merritt's obviously more of a journalist than most journalists and i think he's fairly safe although if he carries the wrong story if he dares say something about you know the technology behind covid that the who doesn't like then you'll be canceled but maybe he's just very careful about avoiding any of the uh the questionable subjects which is sad because there's a lot involving subjects like covid and election interference and election improprieties that do overlap with tech but we're living in a time where discussing that even in the very basic ways can get you into a whole lot of trouble so i i mean i guess just to uh, sum up on reddit are you yay or nay on uh, reddit I think it was months ago that I ran a script that edited every one of my posts that I'd ever made on Reddit and replaced, deleted all the text and replaced it with this content has been removed due to Reddit's violation of our content policy. And the word content policy was a link to the First Amendment. You just got hit with a BEM rant. Yeah. Yeah, you did. did want to read one more. It was a comment that I really liked and it, it gets to the to reduce confusion argument. Uh, it says uh, you can't just add to reduce confusion at the end of your sentence to change the meaning. 
You have to actually <laughs> perform an action that reduces confusion. I robbed a bank to reduce confusion. I went to the grocery store to reduce confusion. I streamed a mu- movie to my living room to reduce confusion. All of these sentences make equal amounts of sense. It looks like someone wrote up a change log and then PR added to reduce confusion at the end. Ironically, introducing confusion. I mean, they could just replace it with to protect the children. That's yeah, that's what uh, that's what the governments do. Yeah. In order to protect the children, we just did this, even though, you know, it's never actually to protect the children. No, it's it's always it's always we want more control of something, but it'll be sold correctly if we can give it an emotional appeal. Now, moving on to the Twitter story, I got to start with Twitter stocks at an all time high, and I don't get it. I do not get it. I don't understand. They're hemorrhaging users unless they're still hiding. So is GameStop stock. Well, that's true. (laughs) That could be a completely different reason. But Twitter, at least from Jack Dorsey's angle, I think understand that they've got to do something to generate revenue. This is another one of these Silicon Valley companies who it's like, this is a great idea. Let's get millions of people on the platform and then figure out how we're going to monetize it, which is great in the short term. It's, it's the Silicon Valley model. In the long term, it rarely works out. That is the unfortunate real view that most of these people putting money into it maybe don't understand, haven't paid attention. There's been a lot of really good ideas that people have flocked to. And then the company went, you know, this is costing us like a million dollars a day to run this. And uh, we don't have any more money. And then they disappear. But Twitter's come up with a couple different ideas, which I think this is a case. One of them was let's cancel half the country. Right. Which I don't know how that works. If you're answering to a board, the other half is all gung gung ho in favor of it. Yeah, but the people that are owning your stock and on the board should be like, well, our job is to make money. And if you're, you know, somehow getting rid of the people that use the service, they want to increase the number of people who use the service. That's what they're saying. But they're what they're doing is in the exact opposite direction because they are losing. But I think this is a case of Twitter looking at sites like OnlyFans. And Patreon and going, hey, wait a minute. Why can't we do that? Because what they're saying they're going to be offering soon is the ability for somebody to be. And I know is a guy who doesn't use Twitter at all. You'll be excited that soon you'll be able to be instead of just following somebody, you'll be able to be a super follower as long as you pay to a super follower. Yes, a super follower. That that phrase came out of the deepest hellhole of a PR department. A super follower where you can charge I me mean, you know, only like maybe four bucks, five bucks a month, and then people can and, get and then you'll extra get to see tweets. your favorite. You'll get to see your favorite Twitter followers nude. No, that's a well. I, you might. I don't know if there's or, any. Or limit is that on adult just OnlyFans model? I it's. I think this. They they do do some of this uh, content that doesn't have to be. Uh, necessarily g-rated so that may be involved in part of this but it's you know you can see extra tweets that people only want to share with their super followers you'll get a little badge on your account that you can see that you're a super follower of somebody but this is similar to me because they're also doing things like 
newsletters, which it's like, okay, there's already places for content creators to do newsletters, but this seems like Twitter wants to get involved in that. All of this stuff, again, is very much similar to what Patreon's doing. OnlyFans is doing that just in a more risque, usually type of thing going on in the contents. But this is the same kind of concept, which is charge people a monthly fee and open up extra content to them. And I think Twitter realized they've been a content hoster for a long time and with nobody getting paid. And they're like, well, well, we could have people post short form videos and audio messages and extra tweets that only people that pay get them. The infrastructure is already there. People are already on the Twitter app. So as much as I hate Twitter overall, because eyeballs are there, there may be people there that would pay for this extra content. And this is what Twitter's banking on. I'm not sure. This is actually going to work because there comes a point as a creator, and I don't think it really matters whether you're a podcaster, whether you're a girl selling, you know, photos and videos or whatever you're selling of yourself on OnlyFans or what, whatever the content is. I don't think the average content creator wants to set up accounts on 15 different platforms and have 15 different sets of subscribers. The concept is usually you want to throw them all to one place. And I don't think Twitter is ever going to be that one place because they're too late in the game to really take OnlyFans or Patreon out. So this would only be kind of uh, a lesser venue, I would think. So I don't think this is going to steal anybody away from Patreon. Conventional Silicon Valley wisdom is that they are way too late to the game. But there's there's a second rule. That applies in this case, which is they have uh, an ungodly amount of money that they can throw at trying to bash their way in and uh, also known as the Microsoft method of getting into a game. Possibly. So they may get people to try this. I don't know. I mean, the RIP Twitter was the hashtag trending for over 24 hours with people all saying the same thing. Yeah. But that kind of hyperbole is is pretty normal on Twitter. Yes, but it was all I, people I, saying, "No way, I would ever pay for tweets." So it's it depends. Well, I, um, I would never, I would never pay for tweets either. I don't think, but uh, I, I mean, there there are going to certainly be people who won't. I, I I've I've seen this happen. I, I've definitely seen it happen whenever a creator goes to Patreon. Um, there there is there is a definite concern. For anybody who wants to move to this model where you have to be careful how you phrase it, because uh, Twitter, of course, in their press release are going to say this is extra content. This is this is you can pay and you get bonus stuff. But there is another more pessimistic way of turning around and looking at that that will poison any brand immediately. And that is you're paywalling. You're paywalling stuff. You're taking content you're making and you're preventing us from getting to it unless we pay. That's extortion. And they're kind of exactly the same thing. And, and, and you know, someone like Carl, who, by the way, uses exactly such a model. Right. Um, right. He, he records he records two bonus shows a month uh, that are only available to people on Patreon. And if you phrase it right and you keep your message positive and you keep the the bonus 
message out there, then it, it can be extremely valuable. But I even, uh, you know, even with who are these podcasts, I see plenty of people going over to their discord, which their discord's not paywalled. So, um, and, and, you know, bitching and whining over and over again, even, even to the point of getting banned because they don't put up with that shit there, uh, that, oh God, you're paywalling this stuff. Oh, you're, you're taking, you're making all this content and you're not letting us have most of it and you're extorting money out of it. And, and yeah, okay. Maybe I guess it depends on which side of the coin you're on, but it is a very, very dangerous message to try to control that. And I've seen it go either way with lots of, of it, lots of different properties. And the first thing that occurs to me with regards to Twitter is that the amount of content in a tweet is it's very dangerous to try to paywall some of that simply because it's not like you're, you're putting out a long form podcast. It's not like you're putting out, uh, you know, hundreds of pages of, of fiction, but I think they um, are adding you're, this you're putting in. out 140 characters. Yeah, no, I think that's totally going to be blown apart for the paid people that you're going to be able to post audio and video and have a newsletter and all of this. So they're looking to offer, other okay. things not just tweets you can have tweets that only they see but i think that's only going to be a small part of this ecosystem and what people are paying for the bigger problem to me is because you're right this concept is still the norm who are these podcasts uses it that larry show uses it the daily tech show they all use it at the beginning of every daily tech show i've only been watching for a week or two and the first thing they say is we were just having a conversation about this before we started. And if you want to hear that, go to Patreon and join. Oh, that's right. They, uh, well, I don't know if they still do it this way, but what they used to do was they would stream for uh, their, their patrons for, you know, their, whatever their pre-show is, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then they would turn on the stream for everybody else. And to get the pre-show and to get any post-show, you had to be a, do- a donor forgot about that yeah and i get that concept i Which, can see by the way is is totally some awesome bonus content if if you're into that but yes and i see where that can work i believe in the value for value model that adam curry came up with and john c dvorak over at no agenda but i do understand there are some people if you never have that carrot if you never have that bit of content that they want that's not able to be downloaded for free if you never offer them anything like that, I think there are a lot of people who never jump in and ever send in a donation for your show. So I understand the concept here. Obviously, Carl has been testing this out for a while. Of who are these podcasts offering multiple bonus episodes per month? And if enough people I, like that, they subscribe. I also I, I, I don't like to pick on Carl. Well, okay, of course I do. He picks on everybody else. He deserves it. <laughs> But but I'm not going to pick on Carl in this one. He does what I think is actually a pretty brilliant method of of creating his bonus content, which is uh, in fact, he did one just last night uh, it, when creating a bonus show. Uh, anybody who wants to can tune into the live stream, but you just can't download it afterwards. So if you miss it live, then you, uh, it, you, it's behind the paywall. It's on Patreon. You have to you have to be a patron patron in order to get access to it but if you need a taste of it then you can tune in and and by the way he doesn't do the bonus shows on a regular schedule so you pretty much have to be you have to happen to be online and be like okay i'll tune in live now when he announces it 15 minutes before the show but if you happen to do that suddenly you catch a whiff of the bonus content so 
Um, you know, I, I am not, I, I used to be, but I'm not currently a, a Patreon of, of that show. However, I caught the bonus episode last night simply because I happened to be on live. The previous one, uh, actually sounded pretty awesome and I didn't catch it. And at some point I'm going to have to go back and donate again so that I can, but it, it if you want a taste of it, catch it live. It's kind of like a, I mean, that's very similar to the, the, the grumpy old Ben's post show, which is content we don't record. But if you happen to be listening live to the no agenda stream at 9 a.m. left coast on Mondays and Fridays, then you will catch some of the pre, the, the Darren O'Neill music pre show and usually up to an hour of post show banter because you and I lack the ability to shut up. Right. Sometimes we're joined by people like John Fletcher or Sir Seat Sitter or Cold Acid. And uh, we have a whole lot of fun afterwards. And it's a it's like a party. But I understand both of these models. And I've toyed with the idea of trying different models for different things. But where this gets confusing, I think, I mean, go back to Reddit. We don't want to confuse. If you have an account that you can charge people on Twitter and what you're giving them on Twitter is a newsletter and extra tweets, and you also have an account on Patreon, and there we're giving them bonus podcasts. Oh, even better. We have an account on Patreon where we're giving them one of two bonus podcasts, but then we have an account somewhere else where we're giving them a second bonus podcast, but you have to subscribe to all three of these places now to get everything. That's where the dickish thing, I think, starts coming in, where if you're going to offer the model of bonus content for your producers, followers, fans, whatever people want to call them, if you want to offer that kind of content, do it in one place, in one place only, because if you start spreading or, that around, then or just are offer get pissed. A, or just offer exactly the same content everywhere. Yes, yes that's Cause, true. Because you know, your, your point, and, and I think it's a point I was trying to make earlier, is it, it is trying to uh, trying to lock content is a PR minefield and you have to be very careful how to do it. Uh, it's, you know, the idea of pay it's, is one of the reasons why, by the way, uh, in the no agenda, the show that, that inspired us both is pure value for value. They don't offer content that is not out there for free. And they just, and same with most grumpy old Ben's content is it is, it is all free, but we, we expect that, uh, anybody who gets value out of the show is going to give value back. And this is what, uh, you know, what, what they're, you know, Adam likes to say on, on podcasting 2.0 on uh, his other podcast, which by coincidentally is probably being recorded right now. Um, because they also record Friday mornings. Uh, he, he likes to say on that, that the, the era of free content is dead and it's a little hard to, to wrap my mind around that idea. But what I think it means is, is we are reaching the point where the norm needs to be that people pay for content. And he thinks the value for value model is going to win. Uh, it's pretty clear that, that the locking content model is, is the prevailing one still today, but it's like I said, it's a minefield. It is really easy to anger people, especially if you have different platforms where you offer different selections and, and, and suddenly you end up getting the, the, the VHS movie model where, uh, oh, well, if I want to buy the director's cut, then I need to get this DVD. But if I want to buy, uh, the, the box set, I need to buy this and, right. and 
and then if you want to get the the you know full nudity cut then you got this and if you need then eventually they create the ultra special edition with uh director's cut plus nudity plus an hour extra content <laughs> and you have to you and it, and then you know combining formats you end up buying the same thing seven times and that frankly really really annoys people yes and i'm and i have a hoarding mentality and i know there's like a little adhd or something in there where if an artist i like comes out with you know three different versions of what used to be a cd maybe now is vinyl i would probably buy all three because that still seems you know relatively within range to my crazy brain the same thing when we were buying comic books if you'd go in and you wanted to buy a first issue of something and there were four different cover arts i was probably gonna buy one of each which it's really good that the comic book store haven't been in in a while because it's saving some money but taylor swift an artist that i like her latest or actually it was two albums ago now the one before this one because she's releasing them like every five days now they came out with a vinyl version and i think there were nine different (laughs) versions of it there were nine different alternates and i'm like nope too much not gonna buy any because i'm not doing it too many i won't even buy one because i can't have them all so there's a weird thing in my brain that's like, I'm not just going to buy one of the eight or nine. I'm, I'm just gonna- I, I'm I'm not convinced that that's the most logical way to make purchasing decisions. I know, but it's I very understand much not, <laughs> but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it, it's very much not. And I mean, actually, I think I did buy the version that came out at Target, but none from directly from her store. And it's like, well, that's fine. I got one and that's and I don't feel bad because it's like I would otherwise try to be a completist. And that's that's hard that's this is how i started with all the live music collecting bruce springsteen concerts back in high school so back in the late 80s by sending you know lists to people all across the world and paying for blanks and postage and that but once you get one or two shows it's like well i want all the shows i want to get every show i can possibly get and it's a sickness it is it's a lot easier now over the internet to collect stuff like that but it yeah, is. well, especially the the free model that you've used that you're using. No paywalls, no payment. Yeah, that is the best way to do it. And I do. I struggle because there are some people, you know, podcasts that I like, but I, there's some that I should probably have been donating to. But the ones it's that, not too late. That's true. It's never too late. I am somebody that will be more easily convinced to send some cash. If there are bonus episodes or something like that. So, I mean, I understand the mentality of it. I've been fighting against it because I don't necessarily think that's right. But I do understand where a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm giving money. But the concept that we're giving the show away free and no agenda does the same thing. And a lot of shows work on that model. There's a lot of people that go, well, by me donating, I'm not getting anything in return. I'm just sending you money, but I still get the same stuff coming to me. And that's true. Where Carl, with that concept of bonus episodes. What you're getting, by the way, is is the continuation of the show. In in aggregate, if nobody donated to a show, if nobody donated to No Agenda, I guarantee Adam and John would not be doing it. If nobody donated to Grumpy Old Ben's, we'd probably cut back to only when I needed to rant, which means that there might actually be more content (laughs) and you'd have to listen to. Yeah, we're going five days a week, everybody. How you doing? But it's so it is something that is a uh, that needs to be explained every now and then to people why you're why you're actually giving the money it's not because yeah you're getting it all for free but this is a uh, try before you buy 
kind of a concept. And if you like the content, then you should be sending something to the producers. And it doesn't have to be a large amount. I know the large amounts always get the fanfare, uh, no agenda, especially where you get your notes read and you get, you know, titles and things like that. And I understand the large amounts seem like they're the most exciting thing, but I can tell you that's great. But somebody that's coming in with five bucks a month each and every month for years, that all adds up and more people. That's what what Adam and John refer to as a sustaining donation. Yes. And and they are the most valuable, Billy. I mean, you know, not not from a a single time perspective, but, you know, the, the big lump sums are awesome. But the ones that are really counted on because. When you're doing something like this, uh, podcasts, it's it's up and down. You're going to have good shows. You're going to have bad shows. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. But the ones that are five dollars every single month, every single show, whatever, are uh, those are the ones you can count on. You're like, I, I, I keep coming to this microphone because I always hope for a big three hundred dollar donation to Grumpy Old Ben's. But. The five dollar ones are do you somebody looks at this and is still getting value out of it, so we'll keep doing it. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Insta Guru. And we'll get to some experts today. Let's just finish up this Twitter story with the other things they announced besides, hey, we're gonna let you charge for things, whatever that may be. It's still kind of in the planning stages, I think. They're also bringing something out called groups, which I think is just gonna make it way easier to cancel people. Because you could have, you know, like, let's start a no agenda group on Twitter. (laughs) Don't do that. If you're conservative at all, do not start a group like Donald Trump lovers on Twitter, because then they're going to know exactly who to go cancel. I don't think the group concept on Twitter is going to work. I'm sure, again, this is a case of Twitter. This is how you know Twitter's out of ideas, because Facebook really runs on groups. And I think Twitter just went. Well, Facebook has groups. Why can't we? And the reality is probably because your systems don't work the same way, but it'll be interesting to see how that works. If at all, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of uh, faith that well, they're going to. I, I mean, off. I think that 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 feature is trying to get around one of what what is structurally probably Twitter's biggest disadvantage is Facebook is organized around. Uh, you connect to your tribe, you connect to people with like interests and, and you, if you're on Facebook, you don't for the most part have to care about 99.997% of all the humans in existence. Even though they're on Facebook, you don't interact with them. You don't see them. They're not in your timeline. The people in your timeline is just your tribe that Facebook has built their entire thing on Twitter takes everybody in the world and throws them into one big steaming cauldron and just starts stirring. Right. And there's, there's some good things to that. And there's some bad things to that. Like, um, Twitter is where you go in order to get and stay angry (laughs) because, because you're going to be exposed to a large number of people who are not exactly like you. In fact, I think that, you know, one of the methods that Twitter has been using whether they'll admit it or not to try to reduce the chance of being exposed to people on the other side is they're just canceling people on the other side done. Yes. But I mean, you know, once, once everybody on the platform thinks the same way, then you can have one big happy tribe, but you got to get rid of all the people who don't. And I don't know. It's a structural problem with Twitter and maybe adding groups is their way of 
of introducing the I only want to interact with my tribe concept again. Yes. I mean, I could see where that might focus some of the topics, but they're also speaking of canceling people. That's the other feature they're coming on with out with which canceling is a, people is a feature yes it's a new they're calling it a safety mode according oh to one of the slides in their analyst day decks twitter has a description of how the toggle will work if you flip it on quote automatically block accounts that appear to break the twitter rules and oh mute accounts God. that you that might be using insults name calling strong language or hateful remarks like really and, and i'm sure that they you know, the the people who are, you know, they're fact checkers who are making these determinations are all extremely neutral people right. handpicked from from, you know, the CNN journalism pool and the Lincoln <laughs> Project and the Southern Poverty Law Group and other neutral organizations like that. Yes. Yeah. Don't forget Black Lives Matter. But these uh, oh yeah, these detected account, they will detect accounts that, quote, might be acting abusive or spammy. Every account on Twitter acts abusive or spammy. Isn't that how that's how the platform works? Yes, that's all concept. <laughs> that's all on Twitter. You're not on Twitter unless you're being abusive and spammy. That's the whole point of you know. And I get it. We use it when the you know grumpy old Ben starts. A tweet goes out saying, "Hey, we're on the stream. Come listen and that's to us." Spammy. Yes, it's for straight promotion. That's all it is. And and I'm sorry, but if Twitter banned everybody who was abusive, they'd be back to the days where. <laughs> You know, 10,000 users. Yes. Ghost town. Be like, where'd everybody go? It's that Star Trek episode again. You show up on Twitter and with nobody's posting. And then you realize, no, Twitter's up. Everybody's gone, though. That's that would be kind of a utopia if we can make that happen. Yeah, uh, that that's how you get your world without hate. <laughs> you have a world where nobody can communicate. And this is yeah. kind of what this feels like to me. This you can flip a switch and an AI will determine who shouldn't be viewable because I mean, if these are auto and now this blew my mind because you're saying that an AI is going to do the work to try to look for accounts that appear to be breaking the Twitter rules. It's like, well, are they, or are they not? And if they are, why are they still on the platform? Why do you need another AI to do this? Or, Oh, let's, if you're filtering out insults, name calling and strong language or hateful remarks again, what's left, you'll be like, why am I only getting two messages a day now? Where'd everybody go? Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah. And those two messages are just press releases. Yes. From Twitter themselves. telling you yeah. about their great <laughs> new features that you can block more people. If the two messages a day are annoying you, you can get down to one. If you block yes. us. <laughs> yes. And they'll one. Yeah. One of those is, is showing you a brand new feature where you can go to your preference page and flip a switch that blocks the other one. <laughs> See, that's genius that I'd get behind that. I would get behind. <laughs> it's a crazy tech world, but we do have yeah. some experts to thank yes. for today's yes, today. Today was was a day. It was as far as I know. They're all days came came right after another day. And, and there might be another one in the in the near future. You never know. That's why you have to just grab every day by the cojones and ride it like you stole it. Coming in with 5375, Sir Howitzer and Dame Sexy again. They're they're building up and we appreciate their support. There's a little note that came with it. They are on a train to Guruville. Yes. Yes, they are. And uh, the, the stop could be coming up sooner than they think. Uh, the note says, I was going to send you this via Bitcoin, via a ledger wallet, but it would have cost 22 percent. 
in additional minor fees to send it today. So this is another one of the big problems with the Bitcoin yeah. model still is I didn't realize it's, it's, it was this bad. There are transaction fees and they can they're uh highly variable and um so you when whenever deciding to send money to somewhere you, you need to take into account okay how much are are the middlemen how much are the gatekeepers going to take yeah with 22 percent, it's like okay so if you're going out and you're trying to buy a five dollar coffee with your bitcoin that's an extra buck just because you want to use bitcoin you know who's going to use bitcoin then nobody yeah and 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 completely unrelated to uh bitcoin transaction fees i it's not really a story but uh i noticed that coinbase is uh having an ipo are they Wow. Yeah, they're, or they're preparing for one. They did, they did their uh, S1 filing with the SEC. It would make sense. I mean, they are a legitimate business, which is one good when you're dealing with just getting into the crypto. That's where I have my wallet. Everybody's like, get off of Coinbase. You don't have your own coin. Yeah, I know, but I don't have enough to worry about. And it just kind of works. And I was happy that I did get that. I, I don't, I think that happened since the last show. I did get the payout on the Ethereum mining that I was doing. Oh. Yay. Which it was. Well, it, it took a couple of weeks, but you, you said you were going to get there. Yeah. And it was, well, it was going to be, I figured like 85, 88 bucks. Cause it was like 0. 0.05 of an Ethereum coin. And of course the day that I got paid out, Ethereum was down like 20 something percent. I'm like, see, I'm ruining it for everybody. I'm getting, oh, a, thanks a lot. Yeah. I'm getting a payout and it's going straight down, down, down. I think it's recovered a little bit as Bitcoin is going up and down in uh, in weird ways which is what bitcoin does but sir howitzer continues that's just as bad if not worse than an atm at some cd casino or bar and yes that is again the issue with using the crypto the fees the middlemen things like that it's uh it's weird it's like i was shocked should have still have a lot to learn about coinbase and other wallets great show on monday and also, Darren, oh, nice show with Sir Gene the other day. That's right. Monday, I talked a lot. I did. Yes, you did. I did Grumpy Old Ben's. And then and I don't know what the hell's wrong with me, but I listened to the whole thing. It was a good conversation. I like Gene. He's a funny kind of guy. Yes, there's no doubt about that. He's a, he's a character. There's no question. And there's uh, no question. There's no question about it. There is absolutely no question. There is no question about it. Sir Gene Speaks is the name of his show. And there's no question that you should check out the non- there's not even a question that you should check out the Sir Gene Speaks podcast. He says, keep the kitty safe and the clouds at bay. I don't know if he means the kitty as in like the crypto that he's sending that we've got in, in the wallet or if he means your actual kitty. Either way, we should probably keep both as safe as possible. Well, if he means the actual kitty, I, I spend most of my show trying to keep myself safe from it. <laughs> the cat wins those battles, I'm guessing. Uh, yes. And yes, the cat always ends up on top. Well, that's because if you wound up on top, the cat would not have a chance. I mean, they're pretty good at getting the hell out of the way. I'm sure if they're in the chair and you start coming or do they just look at you like, yeah, could be. Uh, are we still doing phrasing? Because I think we should move on. Sure, sure, sure. And cheers. Dame sexy, Sir Howitzer. We appreciate your contribution coming in with 20 bucks. I don't know if you call him Sir Spud the Mighty or Radix 023. It doesn't matter. Came in with 20 bucks via the snail mail, which the post office has been heating up. More mail coming in at the post office. And if you can do it, that is the preferred method for Grumpy Old Ben's because 
unlike it's, Patreon, I, unlike I, Bitcoin, unlike PayPal. Nobody takes a the percentage. fewest middleman fees. Yes. The fewest little man, middleman fees or little man. And anybody, if you're doing the mail route and you have any comments or notes, always send those in. Anybody, I just want a reminder too, there is no amount low enough, like no agenda. We will still give you attribution if you send in a donation, even if it's a small one. So if, if you, if you, if people start spamming us with $1 donations, then, um, You'll well, either we'll rethink that or we'll just have a an hour long yes. expert segment. And if you want to be anonymous, make sure you just let me know. Or if you want to use a pseudonym or something like that, we are fine with that. Coming in with 15 bucks, Bruce City Mike says, keep up the good yammer, which I guess means just keep talking. We we do talk good. And uh, coming I, in, with I try 12 bucks via snail mail. Also, Progo, who is a monthly thing coming in in the snail mail, as is Radix. Sir Spud the Mighty, those are regular yes. monthly things, and we appreciate that. You could just go to your bank, set it up to monthly, automatically happen. It's set it, it's forget it. It's a beautiful thing. Pergo was was live back checking me during the uh, the Reddit segment earlier, where I was talking about Aaron Schwartz being uh, an early person involved in the EFF, and he said, "Well, the EFF was founded when he was four years old." So, <laughs> and so you're wrong. The, the best part about it was uh, when, uh, um. Big Sky Rider then responded and said, well, that just makes him more badass. So that's that's what I'm going with. The Aaron Swartz it founded the EFF when he was four years old. Prove me wrong. Yeah, that is one badass four year old. And uh, I know Agenda Social the other day. I included Progo in a thread saying he could be helpful. And then he was debating me on how he wasn't helpful. So that was entertaining as well. See, that's what I like about Progo, his ability to take any side of an argument. Yes. Progo's a really nice guy. He, he'd be more than happy to help you. And Progo's like, I'm not a nice guy and I don't want to help anybody, which I can respect that. Yeah, I, I, I can relate. Coming in with 10 bucks, a dude named Kyle saying, keep on rocking in the free world. And that's that's what we do here and on the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show. Available on Thursdays and Sundays, where the Grumpy Old Benz is available Mondays and Fridays. So, I mean, there's a lot of days you can find me on the stream. Coming in with 10 bucks, Herb Lamb, who says, don't know if it matters, but I start listening to your show because a recorded episode was on after a No Agenda live stream. See, it's perfect marketing to have Grumpy Old Benz coming on after No Agenda because the No Agenda community can hear us. They hear our voices right after Adam and John, and they're like, Hey, these guys are nuts. We want to hear more of this. I mean, that's, I think, what drags them in. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, or it's like uh, an exquisite train wreck where you just can't look away. Kind of. We like exquisite. either way. W- welcome on board. Yes. He says, having said that, I don't know if it matters whether the show is live. I rarely listen to the live stream. We were talking about that. Like, oh, does it matter if the show's live? If it's not, a yes. lot of people like to be in the troll room and interact. Some people don't care. Either way. We're glad you're listening. I, I, I still think that that we should do try the doing a live show after. I don't know if it needs to be Grumpy Old Ben's, but um, I'm, you know, way back in the day, we were talking about a show called Pod 33, which was going to be the same thing. I, I feel like the slot right after No Agenda is prime for the community, some kind of community based live thing. And it doesn't have to be Grumpy Old Ben's, but it definitely needed to have more preparation than we gave it when we tried to do it last week i mean sir matt you suggested a show right after no agenda which was 
called uh, Why Adam and John Were Just Wrong. And that could just go on after no agenda and everybody can call in and say why they thought whatever just was talked about on the show was completely incorrect. So I thought that was a good idea, Sir Matthew. He doesn't remember that. He must have been drinking heavily when he said it, or I or just I may have just I, made I, that up. I mean, I had the same idea, but it wasn't specific to any one show. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's just the post show. No matter what you just heard, call in and interact. Uh, Herb Lamb continues that says uh, the note. Since Rush is no longer with us, I'll probably listen to your live shows more frequently now. I might be the only crossover producer listener. I love the show, by the way. Keep up the excellent work. And uh, he also suggested otherworldly meatloaf by making it in a smoker. So I need I need to build a smoker or more likely I need to have somebody come build a smoker in on my patio. Yeah. How, how far is it from from Fletcher to Chirac? <laughs> it's uh, have him come up closer. Show you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carolyn's way closer, but they can meet in the middle kind of, and then we can, we can build a smoker and figure out how to do that. But the comment about rush hit me because this is what Adam has been saying. And we're lucky we're on at the same time. And I don't know if Adam even realizes that Limbaugh's time slot is the no agenda time slot. If it starts at noon Eastern time was the normal Limbaugh time. And that just works perfectly, I guess, for grumpy old no men to be in that timeline because Adam's concept was somebody should be doing that time slot five days a week. He did say that. I had no idea what the time slot was. It's our time I, slot. I, We're doing it. He's doing it. We're doing it. The only days that, well, the days that are still left, I guess, would be Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, to fill out the week. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday still don't have anyone live in that time slot. So, hey, community, get on this. If somebody needs to, to stream live. Start spewing. And coming in at five bucks, a monthly donation from our buddy truck driver, who this is a a snail mail also, which we appreciate. And it was a three-way split between Grumpy Old Ben's Random Thoughts, R-E-N-D-U-M-B, Thoughts.com, and the Rock and Roll pre-show. And he got an executive producership over at Random Thoughts. That was a bonus, bonus, bonus. But we appreciate the support. We appreciate you listening. I love knowing that people are out there on the nation's highways speeding down while listening to the rock and roll pre-show. That still is wild to me. It's great with the podcast they're recorded. You're listening to it at some other point, or you could be listening live, but the music thing, knowing you're putting music on and somebody is just cruising down a highway and listening is just really weird because that was something that we couldn't do when we were kids. I have a hell of a lot of respect for, for people who, uh, the, those highways are the arteries of the economy. And I guess that makes the trucks, the red blood cells. I don't know if that's where I want to go with that. But, <laughs> they got to move all this stuff around. But, uh, yeah. I got a, I've got a hell of a lot of respect for the people who, who keep, keep goods and service, well, goods flowing back and forth because if, if they ever stopped, uh, you know, like, like uh, during the, the Antifa riots when, the truck drivers all over were saying, well, we're not just not going to uh, deliver anything to anybody who disbands their police department. And right. uh, that, that would shut down a city pretty damned effectively if they did. Um, I, I had briefly, you know, I, a long time ago, I briefly considered that I, it, it would be fun to be in a career like that, but I had two problems. One was that software was far more lucrative. And the other is that I have way too much of a tendency on the road to treat myself as the instrument of somebody else's karma. <laughs> road rage. 
<laughs> yeah, which is is not ideal for uh, uh, somebody driving one of those big rigs. No, everybody is happy that you could just sit home, get yourself. I've still got one hidden in a closet somewhere. One of those old wheel and pedal sets. Uh, I forget who even made them. They were big back in the day when the NASCAR games and stuff first come out. You need to just set that up and you can turn on that American trucker game and you could just live out your fantasies in the safety of your own home. That's probably the safest way to go. But if you want to be an expert, if once you get a thousand dollars in donations, you too can be a guru like Guru Finley, Jay Finley, Walkman of Buckeye. You can do that by taking part in the value for value model. Go to grumpyoldbenz.com. You can click that donate button, make a one time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR code or the Bitcoin address to do the Bitcoin route, or you can use the P.O. box to go the snail mail route where nobody takes a percentage except us. And we appreciate everybody for taking part in all of those. And we appreciate everybody for giving us your time, lending us your ear, listening to us rant and try to bring you the best quality tech politics reporting, what's going on in the world and how it's related to tech. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's kind of an open net that we use, but I hope it's working. But what else do we got today? You got any other stories? Uh, I don't have much. Um, well, that's nothing uh, Coin, Coinbase and DigitalOcean both uh, filing their S1 to prepare for an IPO on the same day, uh, which tells you that uh, big, big Internet is still a big thing. I don't know if that's much of a story. Uh, Australia officially passed the news media and digital platforms mandatory bargaining code, which is an Orwellian title of legislation. If ever I've heard it, we've talked about that one a couple of times. That's yeah. the Google and Facebook must pay the ABC in order to be in Australia. And did you see um, you were saying that wrong? According to Srini. Um, I, I have no recollection of that. Who's on no agenda. So he called out you. No, I was using the, the official John C. Dvorak pronunciation. <laughs> yes, he was. He called out you and Dvorak and Dvorak's like, what do you want? An essay? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, was, I was hoping Srini would come back with. Yes, actually, well, if you wouldn't the, mind. The correction, you- the correction was and, and it wasn't really clear to me which direction it was that the it was either the Australian Broadcasting Company or Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Yes, and I, I don't think remember. company is wrong and corporation is correct. Well, those two words mean approximately the same thing, but they're different words. And um, I, I mean, my, my favorite response to that thread was when uh, someone who I, I'm not looking up the thread right now, but came back with uh, it's actually the it's the Australian broadcasting corruption. <laughs> well, that may be true. And they're getting paid now. The fact that Facebook blinked so quickly, I was kind of surprised about that. I'm not. I, I don't think that they had any expectation that it would blow back in their face quite like that. I think that they're they're still under the delusion that people are on their side. That may not, be not, you know, not governments per se, but the, the people. And frankly, the people are getting a little sick of Facebook. Uh, and then the only other thing that I had to talk about, and I don't know how much you want to talk about this, is uh, 23 and me selling out to virgin galactic oh yeah csb how you feeling now buddy you sent your <laughs> dna into richard branson who knows what he's gonna do with it i and you know nobody i don't think anybody intended to send their dna to richard branson but the silicon valley model and the reason why you should be wary even if a company pops up 
and they are the most trustworthy people in the room. And you know damn well that there is no way in hell the people who own this company would ever sell your data to anybody. And therefore, it's cool if they store it. Oh, that's great. Right up until somebody buys their company and then the new owners have all your data. And uh, are, are you going, you know, even if you trust the owners of whatever company you're doing, and I would never have trusted 23andMe, no. but do you trust the anybody who potentially has enough money to buy them and and that by the way means google in a lot of cases do you you know if you give all your data to some small startup because you think they're trustworthy does that mean you're cool with giving your data to google does that mean you're cool with giving your data to zuckerberg to jeff bezos to richard branson because those are the people who are going to buy up the company and Large databases don't go away during these mergers. They are one of the most valuable assets that the little company has. They're one of the main reasons why the companies get bought up. Sir Matthew points out he would love Elon Musk to buy maps with Matt. I mean, I know of those four episodes. But but then all I I don't know if I like that, because then all the data that we've sent to maps with Matt would be used by Tesla for marketing purposes all of a sudden it's the bemrose voice of the car saying are you sure you want to <laughs> like no you own my voice how did you do uh, that it's uh i i, I love the the idea that i heard the other day of I, I think when matt was on a show with uh having matt's voice be uh actually i don't think matt was on the show but uh I think it was on Rare Encounter now that I think, God, I listen to too many podcasts. Just they were talking about silky Matt's voice. Yeah, they, they want Matt's voice to be your navigation assistant. I could see that. That would that would calm people in their cars. That would be great. That would be way better than trying to do my voice. Like, <laughs> you idiot, you just missed a turn back to turn around. God damn. What the heck? No, no, not get, get okay, get Stop. Stop now. Get out of the driver's seat. Let your passenger drive. You're too stupid to drive right now. No, no, it's a Tesla. I'm taking control is all you have to say. Not to get out of the driver's seat. I'm going to drive you right off that cliff. Yeah. Uh, That would make a good that would make a good uh, series, though, like television series, like a car. The car's gone bad. And uh, we can put that one out there. But Matt does have a very soothing voice and people should check out now that episode four is out of maps with matt you check that out yes. and get your cartography on i i just listened to episode three of maps with matt yes it's good they're all good my wife it's made good. me listen to the first it's three like the Bents. in it's a good. row yeah in a row all three and i like just even his mm, when he makes that little noise when he's like oh it's a, mm, and it's like it's just very smooth he should be doing this for a living because he's got the voice to do it and just having the french accent just makes them seem so much smarter. We don't even know what you're talking about, Matt, but you sound so much smarter and we enjoy the show and we appreciate you putting it out and uh, enjoying this uh, no agenda stream where there's so many different types of shows out. A lot of people having a lot of fun. That's what we're doing in this whole new type of media because the mainstream media sucks and there's a lot of people doing good work, having fun. The entertainment industry sucks. And here you'll have the same thing. You have a lot of shows that aren't about news or any hard hitting thing. They're just people having fun conversations. And it is a hell of a thing to have this kind of choice, these kind of products, this kind of entertainment right on hand from people, you know, which is a very cool thing as well. It's a great community. We're happy to be a part of it. And we enjoy a lot of the shows on it. And, uh, you know, except maybe Briny's, which I haven't heard for a while. What happened to Briny's show? 
I don't know. I, there might have been a glitch in the updater. Yeah, it was probably a misformed title. Sir Gene would, would know about that. He would. Um, but okay, so I guess that uh, kind of wraps it up for today. Yeah, I think I, we're over time, which we, is, there is, is no, normal. There's no such thing as overtime. We're always <laughs> right on time. That's the beauty of oh, podcasts. That, that, the, yeah, but the limit, the time limit is always the size of my bladder, which right now I'm, 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 I'm leaking out the ears right now. So we should. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a pretty sound to leave people with or a mental image or anything. But hey, who am I to say? I'm just, just a guy. I can edit all that out. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not you, going you to, could, but you won't. Right. I could edit it out, but I'm not going to, but we'll, we will be back on Monday. For another fun, exciting edition of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather is warming up and COVID is, uh, I don't know, it's here. And from America's left coast, where I became a podcaster to avoid confusion. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Ooh, to avoid confusion, but did you actually avoid confusion? That's uh, just why I did it and didn't succeed. Oh, you get, you're supposed to succeed. I get it. Let's let's just play this ending now.